0: Yes, yes, this is Hugh Hardy and you're listening to Valiant MC on The Prophecy on CIUT 89.5 FM. Stay locked. Stay locked. Stay locked.
1: I'm in a no of them. They be so not dead yet. I'm my son. every we not worry, not fret. And if you this, I'll go straight for the jugular. I'll go straight for the belly. I got the M on my mind. Like my name was Melly, look I'm one of a kind Now you ain't troubling me, or you ain't troubling mine You man better bubble in line, gel them bubble and wine Put my step in the place I'm working step I do it in time, do it on jungle, do it on crime Yeah I'm doing it Optimus, yeah I'm doing it crime Yeah I'm doing it Grease, yeah I'm doing it the game is mine Give me that Don't give me no talk or silly chat Look, I'm not inna If it's a cash, I am the winner Roulette table, I am the spinner Saint Sinner Hope Glimmer Panery, every day my my shining shimmer Look at me whipping the dinner Some boy cool and simmer Try but couldn't deliver Eat that, cry me a river You might get two in your liver Some boy stop acting raw Got spun, I am the spinner What's all this acting get for? Yeah, i run out them all types and treads I'm in a of them, they be so not dead yet Come my son, on, on every winner I no worry, no threat, I need to test this So now I instant, My on instant dead Come follow me, follow me, the man that instant debt Lord, Lord, say what I instant dead Come follow me, follow me, the man said that instant debt Bound <laughs> I'll go straight for the big guy I'll go straight for the boss I'm not giving a toss Hustle hard like Ross You don't wanna get jacked like Ross you was looking to win, now you're getting a loss. We boy, can you cover the cost? I'm like, can you cover the L? Learn Learner. Winning a fell, burner. Kill a boy quick, murder. You don't wanna take this further. Give Burn up. up the script like a burger. I'm on the move, on the earner. Get that money, turn up. I said get that money, turn up. So boy I run out them old ass sent I'm in a knot on them, they be so not dead, yet. Time my son, every we know worry now. I and to test, this, is sonia, I installed
2: so you um you have a new lp out um mm-hmm. the juice lp and kind of marks a, a couple of different ways that you are transitioning in some respects so first off Uh, You're putting it out on Solvent, which, even though it's part of hospital, um, the change of imprint itself is kind of significant, considering that everything you put out, pretty much, that anyone can find, would be on hospital. Um, I'm curious, was the change of imprint their idea or yours?
0: Yeah, it was their idea. Um, What happened is hospital and Solvent... Uh, kind, of, kind of did a merge um, and Hospital bought bought into Solvent, basically. And, yeah, Solvent's run by um, a, a guy called Joe, who's actually the nephew of Chris, who runs Hospital. So it's, Joe Goss, uh, right. Um, Joe Goss and Chris Goss, yeah. It's very much a, a kind of a, a family uh, connection. So when the two uh, labels sort of did this merger... I guess a hospital were looking for um artists that might be able to transition over um and I was a good candidate for that I think that I knew I d- I knew Joe um from before he was he was he was a friend um and I had actually released a couple of tunes on Solvent already one was a remix um maybe two or three actually a couple of remixes and um, like a collaboration so i I was sort of a a friend of the label and yeah basically it it kind of made sense because i'm in a three album deal with hospital and i did two in hospital and then it felt like it could be quite interesting to to do something um, a bit different for for the third album um so yeah it was hospital's idea and they sort of pitched it to me and yeah, I was pretty um, into the idea from the get-go. Really,
2: how has the experience been with this particular album? I know that you moved fairly recently, so what's what's happened with that, and how did that kind of play into you creating the album?
0: Yeah, it's been actually really, really good process. The writing process, um, the. Uh, working with Joe much more closely has been fun because he's become actually a really close friend um, and we have a very um kind of uh, direct relationship where we're just kind of talking all the time and sharing music and i'm I'm sending him ideas and we're we're talking a lot um so it was a very sort of um intimate working relationship which I really liked and that kept me um, really motivated um, with hospital it's a It's a bigger label with a bigger roster of artists Um, and it was really sick actually with Solvent having this um, really sort of one-to-one connection um, with Joe and Sean as another guy who does a lot of um, design stuff for the label. So Mm -hmm. the three of us were kind of working very closely together um, and yeah, it was was like a very sort of um, hands-on process and yeah, I I felt really motivated um, working on it. You bring
2: up talking with Joe back and forth during the writing process, and, you know, you are a relatively high profile artist now on a, obviously on a very high profile label conglomerate. So is there, when you are writing for an album, is there kind of like an eye towards, uh, I guess for lack of a better way to say this, um, creating singles that are going to draw a lot of ears and eyeballs to the album? Are you, is that something that you're actually striving for or Are you kind of trying to put tunes together more organically and I ask this because I noticed that you have kind of deviated a bit from kind of the more liquidy style that you are known for. You've got some, you know, some actual bangers on here and that kind of, you know, along with the new imprint, uh, marks a bit of a deviation from what you've been doing before. So are you actually, are you intentionally trying to find some more diverse footing for this?
0: I think I was I was definitely trying to uh, make this a, a more club-friendly record. Um, I've had sort of albums or releases in the past. I look back and I think actually not a whole lot of that I would DJ myself, um, hmm. and so I kind of wanted to have a set of tunes, a lot of which I would I would definitely want to play in in a, in a set. So that was kind of on my mind. Um, Yeah, I mean, singles are definitely important. Um, And yeah, I I mean, I try not to be too kind of um, influenced by the sort of climate, but the scene has um, changed quite a lot sort of during pandemic and post pandemic. Um, And these sort of tunes with kind of more obvious impacts um, are getting better attention um, but it would be nice to say that I'm you know, like totally uninfluenced by by that but um, it's definitely a factor so I kind of wanted to to make make the tunes a little bit more in your face and um, perhaps and other stuff um, so that yeah that was definitely an, an intention um, and I actually really uh, enjoyed that sort of challenge um, I mean I have always made darker stuff as well as the liquid um, but yeah, that was, it was sort of more of a, a sort of direct focus for this album, for sure.
2: OK, so before I, actually, there's a couple of things I want to touch on that. But let me, let's go back for a second, because if you Google Hugh Hardy, um, the number of releases that like is on Discogs and stuff like that is relatively few compared to like a lot of people that are out there. Let's quickly kind of talk about who and where were you before Hospital and uh, what were you doing before you actually signed with that label and like, kind of, how did you get their eye?
0: Um, it, you know what? It kind of happened quite quickly with hospital. I hadn't really, I think I might've only released, uh, wait, I've released a a handful of tunes. Um, a couple on liquidity and one on a, on a really small label. Um, and I was pretty new to, I mean, I had, I have been making music for a long time. I've I've always been sort of making beats, and kind I've of got got a laptop. And I was maybe 14, 15 and got really addicted to just making tunes, just for fun at the time. Um, and yeah, I was I was pretty young. I think I was I was early twenties when I when I first signed a tune with Hospital, and from there it progressed quite quickly. So yeah, I didn't have much of a, a footprint. Um, before that, um, and yeah, but what led to it was, uh, Etherwood made Etherwood was on med school at the time, and he uh did an online mix, um, promoting the Manchester Warehouse project. Mm, um, and okay. he he used a tune of mine in that mix, which uh, had been released on a small, on a, on a really small drum based label. And then from there somebody in the hospital office heard it and um and then got in touch from there that's how it started
2: do you prefer working on albums or do you like shorter forms better in terms of um the immediacy and the creative energy i mean you do have some eps and this is now your third album if you don't count you don't count seven tunes in seven days that's kind of rides the line between an ep and an album right so is creating an album something that you prefer, or do you like the immediacy of like doing an EP better?
0: Um, I don't know if I prefer one or the other. It's nice, kind of swapping back between the two because once I finish an album, it's it it sort of takes a lot of um, takes a lot out of you. And the thought of going back to kind of a shorter form, four track EP is is quite refreshing um, because you don't have to be so conceptual and you don't have to think it through in such a Deep way, um, but having said that, ha- before this album, I did a, a series of EPs, and um, so having done sort of worked on those EPs for a while, it was nice to then have a bigger project. Um, so yeah, they are like very different um, approaches to to music production, um, but I think it's nice. What I like is bouncing back between the two because then it you know keeps it keeps it fresh.
2: So now that this album is out how much are you going to mentally kind of stay connected to it? We're living, because we're living obviously now in an era, I'd say for, you know, at least the past 10 years, where the attention span for, especially drum and bass, tends to be extremely short. It's like, kind of like, you know, you put out a couple of promotional singles and then you put out the album, and then once the album's out, like kind of, that's that's it. In years previous, bands would continue promoting the heck out of that album for a while, or uh an artist would do the same and then you know videos or singles would continue to be released long after the album was put out we're, we're living in a different time during streaming right so mm-hmm. at what point do you start to sort of mentally let go of this project <laughs> and move on uh
0: that's a good question um i mean i f- i feel like there'll sort of be a point with the kind of uh, press campaign where it feels like right we've kind of pushed it enough i mean there's only so much you can Post about a release before you're just sort of recycling um, older material. Um, so I feel like naturally it will come to a, a point where I think you know we'll feel like we've we've sort of done enough promoting. Um, but yeah, I'd like to keep it going for a while. I guess the yeah you're right. We're sort of in a, a bit of an instant gratification um, climate where things can be can feel like they get forgotten about quickly. What I, what I find interesting is the, the tunes have a really good club life. So I think about DJ sets that I play, I, I play lots of new stuff, but, you know, I'm still playing old, old tunes from 10 years ago and, you know, they still go off in a club. Um, so I think even though it might feel like when the release is out after, after a sort of brief amount of time, it feels like it's sort of dropped out of the sort of consciousness of people. In the club circuit, those tunes are still around, you know? So I think like the lifespan of of an album, if it's like a well thought through, well made album is, is very long actually on the, in the club circuit.
2: I'm going to take from that, that you tend to think about the music that you create in terms of what a DJ might play, correct?
0: Yeah, like, a bit of, a bit of both, but, you know, it's nice to have music that you could listen to while driving or at home cooking or whatever. Right. Um, but also, yeah, I mean, it's, it's drum and bass, it's club music, it wants to be, <laughs> it, like, the, the primary um, audience is, is the club. Um, so that's the probably the main, that's probably the first and foremost um, uh, kind of driving factor, you know, but at the same time. So it's a good question actually, it's hard. It, I guess it depends on the tune. Some tunes I make and I'm like, I know this one's not really a massive sort of player outer, but I want to make something that sort of might sound really beautiful and emotive, um, even though I know it's not gonna maybe get much uh, DJ action. Um, but you know, but then on the flip side, if you you know make a, a dark banger, it's not really, you know, exactly home listening maybe but it's good for the club so I think it probably depends on the, on the style of the track.
2: I'm wondering if there are if there's like a, a folder full of tunes that you have made that really don't fit any of the projects that you've put out they aren't necessarily drum and bass or they don't necessarily have the kind of structure that a DJ would play I mean are there things like that that you're keeping hidden in a vault from us or?
0: No like I think like, if it's a good idea it, I'll sort of pursue it and it will probably make a release. You can sort of tell quite quickly if something's not kind of going to gonna make the cut, or if it's like a bit of a sort of B-side tune or, or you know, like a, a tune to be dropped. So, I mean, yeah, I've got I, I've got lots and lots of ideas um, sat around that are, are never going to be released. Um, <clears throat> but uh, I would more so think it's not to do with them not being kind of club tuned. It's more just that they're not the strongest ideas. So...
2: You know you've obviously played around with like some some garage sounds and stuff like that in the last couple of albums so i'm wondering are we going to see possibly a bigger project for non-drone based tempos in the future
0: that would be cool you know yeah i do kind of dip my toe into um other genres sort of make some hip-hop a little bit and yeah garage is, is a genre i'm interested in and um one forty a uh, little bit. I'd sort of quite like to get a bit more into producing one forty. Um no, I've never considered doing a full a full project. Uh I kind of drummer base like takes I think, up. I think maybe you should. <laughs> yeah, I do you know it, it would be it would be great. I would actually love to do that. Um but no, nothing, nothing on in sort of in the just in the near future. I mean, we are seeing a lot
2: of drum bass producers starting to deviate from like you know the one seventy 170, to one seventy-five BPMs. They're starting to slow down again and stuff like that, and start starting to play with like different different tempos. So, it, I as as a uh, as a fan of music in general, I I love to see artists deviate from what they normally do just to see what happens. So, I, yeah, uh, I'm uh, hoping to uh, see me- that in the future. Yeah.
0: Me too. I, like, I you know, I, I make a yeah a little bit of other genre stuff, and sometimes it does sort of sneak into releases. But I'm always so blown away by producers that have another alias or multiple aliases, and you know, they release like a drum and bass album, um, and then they'll put out like a, a down tempo album, or a hip hop album. Or um, Caliber just came into my head. Obviously, he releases lots of drum and bass, but then he'll put out like a totally not a non one central album, and, and it's amazing. I've, yeah, I've got loads of respect for that kind of thing. I mean, I think I've just never kind of thought about it seriously. But I guess if once you set yourself a target of like, right, I want to make a hip hop album, um, maybe alongside writing the GMB, it would be more achievable. But I find at the moment I'm yeah definitely quite uh, preoccupied with <laughs> with 174.
2: Do you ever feel do you ever feel boxed in by them?
0: Yeah, a little bit because it's quite
2: formulaic. So what is to, as, and I'm asking you this, not only as a producer, but as a DJ, what is to stop you from breaking the formula up a little bit, you know, partially to, you know, keep it more interesting for the listener, but also for yourself. Are there actual roadblocks in the way that kind of stop you from doing that on a practical level?
0: Um, I guess... Yeah, I mean, uh, you don't. I don't want to overcomplicate tunes. And I mean, drum and bass does is a, a formula. Uh, uh, most electronic music is sort of follows a, a certain formula. Right. And it's it's a good question. I mean, yeah, there are artists that sort of pushing the boundaries a bit further. And what's stopping me? I'm not sure. Really, that's a that's a good question. Um, it would be nice to, to, to kind of be potentially more. Experimental or pioneering with with something like sort of musical structures, or yeah, I don't know, just try try to kind of break formulas a bit. At the same time, I do think drum and bass um, doesn't want to be overcomplicated. Sort of simple mm. ideas, sort of executed in a, in a in a nice way, um, is what makes a good tune. in in, in a lot of cases. Um, so that's a good question actually i I don't have but i don't have a great answer for it
2: when when's the first time you heard drum and bass that you recall hearing it and you started like paying attention to it
0: um i was probably about 14 or 15. um so i grew up in cambridge and cambridge used to be a real hub dnb funnily enough you wouldn't really think it because you'd you think of drama base you think of bristol or london or one of the bigger cities um up north like manchester um right. but back in the day uh they basically that there's uh, there's a number of sort of group of producers who are from here and they sort of developed this this scene um it's logistics new tone comics um and a couple of others. And those guys were very, I mean, those guys still are active, but um, they were all part of this sort, sort of Cambridge scene. Um, and they're a little bit older than me. So when, uh, when we were all growing up as teenagers, drum and bass was quite omnipresent um, in, you know, when you go to a house party or something, you'd hear it a lot because, you know, there was a, there was a scene for it here. So I was probably about, 14, 15 and I heard um, old logistics and old high contrast, old hospital stuff and yeah, I was kind of into it quite quickly. What else were you listening to at the time? Uh, I was listening to I listened to hip-hop mainly um, okay, and I still that still is my main genre hip-hop rap that I listen to um, primarily and then some and some sort of electronic stuff as well I was like, um, I guess guys like Bonobo and Quantic Sort of beat mm. stuff I was into when I was, I was I listened to a lot when I was around that age as mm. well. Yeah, Bonobo's great. Yeah, is there? Yeah. Is there? Yeah,
2: uh, yeah. You know, I, I, the first interview I ever did was with uh, with DRS, and he mm-hmm. was mentioning that he actually avoids listening to a lot of drum and bass, mm. um, particularly when he's in writing periods, because he do- it's a little bit, and I said it at the time a little bit like stand up comedians who will avoid watching or listening to a lot of stand up mm-hmm. um, for periods of time because they don't want to be unduly influenced by other people. And, uh, so mm-hmm. what it, are there things that what, what is it that you listen to, like, say, you go for a walk or you're going skating or whatever, and because you want to get your head and just kind of cleared out and more conducive to creating later. Do you listen to drum bass or do you are you, do you go back to like hip hop primarily?
0: But um, probably go back to the hip hop and and like uh, and non drum and bass music. I mean, I guess if I've got like sort of busy gig schedule, I'll be playing. I'll be sort of messing around on the decks, listening to lots of drum and bass anyway. Um, but right. sort of for for a work work purpose. And then I guess also when I'm producing, I might sort of be cross referencing tunes a little bit. Um, so I'm kind of in a work capacity. I'm I'm constantly listening to, to drum and bass. Um, so actually, yeah, if I'm if I'm skating, or driving, or cooking, or whatever, chilling with people, um, often yeah, often it's not drum and bass. Um, and it's nice to kind of like step away from it. The tri- the tricky thing with listening to D B is my I can't really switch off my analytical brain. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm like constantly analyzing if I hear it like in a wherever it is in a club or at home. If I hear a good tune, I'm like, wow, that's cool. Like, what what have they done there? Like, how did they mix that kick drum or whatever? Um, and it kind of, like can take away like the sort of um, like passive joy that you can get from music. Um, absolutely, yeah, so. so yeah, I think that, that comes, comes with.
2: I think that comes with any creative outlet, though. I mean, I play drums; it's kind of ruined drumming for me in a way, <laughs> hearing it from other people. Yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah. that brings me around to: you're known to be a skateboarder. So, who is like your greatest inspiration as a skater, or what entity in skating is kind of like the thing that that hits you the most, and you're like, ah, oh, gets you psyched, and you want to go out and skate?
0: um i guess like i mean growing up i mean i started skating when i was really young i was pretty 10 years old had a bought a skateboard or you know my dad bought me a skateboard and yeah i just got really into watching uh, american skate videos and yeah there's lots of pros that are still that were around then like andrew reynolds for example that is still right. skating and still ripping um, so guys like that are really inspirational, you know, guys that are getting older, um, but they're still like super active and learning new tricks and putting out video parts. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I just, I watch, like I'm constantly watching skateboard YouTube, um, on like thrashermagazine.com just, you know, very addicted to watching, uh, skate videos. So. Yeah, and like like the scene is is so thriving. Skate scene is is very much you know massive at the moment. It's constantly growing. So there's just like a non-stop stream of of video content to absorb. Um, Yeah, so I watch a lot of that, and that gets me pretty hyped. I'd say. Um, And then like outside of that, skating with friends, you know, seeing seeing a mate do a new trick, learn a new trick, do any trick is, is is yeah definitely inspiring as well so
2: has youtube always been a presence as as long as you've been skating
0: no no i no i remember when it youtube wasn't around and it's actually changed the skate scene quite a lot because in the past it was you would buy vhs um and put that in and watch that and then rewind it, watch it again and that you know that was really nice but now youtube is 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 everywhere and instagram and now TikTok and all these social media platforms, kids have this like mega close, intimate, instant access to all this um, skateboard footage. But I remember when we w- we were learning how to skate, we didn't really know, we d- and we didn't really know older skaters, so we we were like, how do you, like, what is a, a pop shove it? How, how does it actually work? And we, we right. had this video, this VHS, um, it was called the first step by four one one, and it was like a, a, a oh I remember of, that uh, yeah a tutorial video, but it was really basic. And it was like one of the one of the uh, like tutorials was how to do like let's say a pop shove it, and it was so it was sort of like now you've got to do an ollie and a one eighty, and then like just the most basic instructions that didn't really help that much. Um, and we, I remember growing up being quite confused, um, about like how tricks work. I think that's quite different now because kids have such an instant access to, to like so much video footage on Instagram, um, that it's kind of like blown the doors open a bit. And I think you see kind of young kids progress a lot quicker now for that. Oh my for that God. Reason.
2: The go- like the gold medals in the X games was like 13s.
0: I know it's insane. I, I just don't understand the girls for the girls. Because,
2: for the girls it was she was, yeah, 13, was that like,
0: Scott, was it one of those the Japanese girls? Maybe, or, or, um, yeah, I don't remember. I know. I think
2: that the, the girl that won, I don't know if she won park or vert. She was 13. Mm-hmm. She won the gold medal and she skates for Hosoi skates actually. So I don't know if she's Japanese, but I know like some of the Japanese kids are insane. Um, Ridiculous.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Ridiculous. There's This one Japanese kid. He just won one of like the big street league competitions, and he's—I think he's like twelve, maybe thirteen—and <laughs> it's it's just like unbelievable, unbelievable the, the, the level of ability. Um, it's it's wild, it's crazy.
2: Do you find that amongst the people that you know that skate that there's a high percent of very creative individuals in general that like say have artistic and musical interests outside of skateboarding?
0: Yeah, I would say yeah. There's definitely a correlation. Um, but yeah, I can think of friends that, um, skate and they play guitar or photography. I think it's quite a common one that goes hand in hand with skating. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think like sk- skating is definitely takes a certain sort of creative brain. It d- I mean, you don't need it, but really interesting skaters, are the ones that, um, think about tricks in a more creative way and try to, I don't know, engineer something new and be unique.
2: <clears throat> Before I let you go. Is there anything else that is coming down the pike that we should be keeping our eyes out for? I know that there's a single out from you on on the Anaïs mixtape.
0: Yeah, 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 that was just released um, last week. Uh, Yeah, that's the tune that we made, me and Anaïs and Slay and T-Man. Yeah, that one's just out on her mixtape. And yeah, I mean, I guess, do you know what? I've just started sort of making music again uh, for the first time in a while because I finished this album project And then basically took a massive break because it's nice to just reset and just not think about tunes. Yeah, Yeah, you know, you need to kind of you need to take some time off, obviously. Um, But yeah, like I mean, the album was out in June, um, so and it was actually finished in probably February March because there's often like well, there's always like a big sort of lag between the submission submitting the tunes to the sort of full release. So, yeah, it's actually a little while ago since I finished sort of writing all that music. Um, so yeah, it's been a sufficient amount of time that now I'm back, um, producing again. So yeah, for now it's just um, yeah, it's going to be sort of promoting the 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 record, um, and yeah, I'll sort of slowly start formulating uh, new tune ideas. But yeah, nothing nothing concrete. Yeah, going to take a while. All right. Well. Thank you very much for all the time, and
2: uh, I really appreciate it. and Congratulations on the album; it's great. I've already played several tracks in right sure. on the show, so.
0: <laughs> cool. Yeah. Thanks, man. That was that uh, yeah, was a fun chat. Thank Thank you very much for having me on. Yeah, man, no problem.
2: And uh, we'll talk soon. All right.
0: Cool. Cool, all right. cool. Nice one.
2: Excellent. Take care, man.
0: All right. Later.
1: If it's war you want, then it's war you would get. Heard them talking on the net, I can't lie, I'm upset If you wanna do war, I'll be ready, I'm a vet Always ready for the set, don't do something, you'll regret If it's war they want, then it's war that I got I heard that they talk a lot, I can't lie, it's cost. You with my scope, hit you with a headshot. Yo, outfits that are ready, outfits that are on this. I spend a season I bury outfits that they want this. When it comes to killing it, my rap sheet is the longest. Being in a musical but I Spot buying a blue like a bond is Yeah, blowing up. on my name and I'm showing up. Bring your best and I'll show him what. This year the price going up. Everything we do going off. I'm a skilled with it and I'm showing up. When I with it, I don't know what my light now you know the boss My sound goes all around the world like a satellite. Claim you bring the fire, you can't even bring a firing high. Always hit the nail on the head like a hammer Tried to touch the sky, now I'm moving up to Saturday night If you have a bite, best know i have a bite I'm a big dog with a big appetite Heavy with the word play, never got the grammar right till I got the mineral growing like a stalagmite of it's war you want, then it's war you would get Heard them talking on the net, I can't lie, I'm upset If you wanna do war, I'll be ready, I'm a vet Always ready for the set, don't do something, you'll regret If it's war they want, then it's war that I got I heard that they talk a lot, I can't lie, it's gotta stop we we can do it in a while, we can do it on the spot. I'll just put you in my scope, hit you with a headshot. Hit you with a headshot. Always undisputed Style always hits like an arrow from Cupid I could write a list of the spitters that I've looted to tap my style but they always get muted Always keep it cardio, never diluted Heading to the top, where I'm gonna feel secluded So I'll have to pick my own self up when I'm wounded Keep up the hard work and never work stupid